and welcome to The Turbulent World with me, James M. Dorsey, as your host. Saudi Arabia's sports blitz is encountering headwinds. Activists, athletes, and the soccer associations of Australia and New Zealand will celebrate their thwarting of world soccer body FIFA's plans to accept Saudi Arabia's tourism authority as a sponsor of this year's Women's World Cup. FIFA president Gianni Infantino admitted as much at a news conference convened this week shortly after he was re-elected unopposed for a third time, even if he belittled it as a storm in a teacup. Nevertheless, the swording sent a rare message that money can buy a lot, but not everything. It constituted the first setback in a string of successful Saudi bids to sponsor or host everything under the sporting sun. Despite its abominable and worsening human rights record, Saudi Arabia secured hosting rights for the Asian Football Confederation's 2027 AFC Cup, the Olympic Council of Asia's 2029 Asian Winter Games, and the 1934 Asian Games. A regional human rights group, ALQST for Human Rights, has asserted that at least 47 members of the Huwaita tribe in Saudi Arabia have been arrested for resisting eviction to make way for Neom, a futuristic science fiction-like region under development on the Red Sea. Trochena, a mountainous part of Neom, is where the Winter Games are scheduled to be held. Saudi Arabia is also bidding to host the 2026 Women's World Cup, and together with Greece and Egypt, the 2030 World Cup. The World Cup, like this year's women's tournament, is likely to produce headwinds, not only because it involves not one, but two of the world's most serious violators of human rights, but also because it will encounter stiff competition. A joint bid by Morocco, Spain, and Portugal could prove to be a serious challenge on multiple fronts to the Saudi-led effort. It represents a transcontinental bid that, unlike the Saudi-led bid, is not designed to circumvent FIFA's practice of spreading out the tournament across continents. On its own, Saudi Arabia, as a Middle Eastern state, would not stand a chance so short after last year's World Cup in Qatar. The circumvention element is borne out by the kingdom's willingness to fund all of Greece and Egypt's World Cup-related expenses in exchange for the right to host three quarters of the tournament's matches in Saudi Arabia. Moreover, the Moroccan-Spanish-Portuguese bid is likely to spark less controversy than its Saudi-led competitor. While Gata demonstrated that human and migrant rights criticism need not put a serious dent in the reputational benefits of hosting a sporting mega event, it also showed that once a focal point of attention, always a focal point of attention. Three months after the Gata World Cup final, one million people signed a petition 
demanding the Gulf state compensate workers and or their families who had been injured or died or suffered human rights abuse while working on tournament related projects. For Morocco, winning the bid would have special significance, coming on the back of its darling status during the Qatar World Cup. A win would amount to payback for Saudi opposition to Morocco's failed effort to secure the 2026 tournament hosting rights. Saudi Arabia supported the winning US-Canadian-Mexican bid as a way of punishing Morocco for its refusal to back the three and a half year long UAE-Saudi-led diplomatic and economic boycott of Qatar. The boycott was lifted in early 2021. Perhaps the strongest headwinds the kingdom's sports effort has encountered emanate from its controversial attempt to make its mark with the creation of Live Gulf, a $405 million 14 tournament league to compete with the PGA Tour, the longstanding organizer of the sports flagship events. Live Golf is an exercise in public relations. A foreign government's dollars are being used to enhance that government's brand and positioning here in the United States, said U.S. Congressman Chip Roy, a Texas Republican. Even worse, circumvention was at the core of a ruling last month by a U.S. federal judge ordering Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund the Public Investment Fund, PIF, to answer questions and produce evidence as part of the discovery process in a legal battle between LIV and PGA. The discovery could cast a spotlight on the secretive fund's decision-making. The fund's powerful governor, Yasser al-Rumayan, is a cabinet-level official. Judge Susan von Curlin's ruling rejected an attempt by the PF and Mr. Al-Rumayan to evade turning over information connected to the courtroom battle because they enjoyed sovereign immunity as a state institution and official. Earlier, U.S. District Court Judge Bess Lapson Freeman, an avid golfer, ruled that the PIF and Mr. Al-Rumayan fell under a commercial exception to U.S. laws on sovereign immunity. Some analysts suggest that Mr. Roy's comment and the judge's rulings could lead to LIV Gulf being deemed a foreign influence campaign. This would mean that its employees in the United States would have to register as foreign agents under the Foreign Agent Registration Act or FARA. The rulings make a mockery of assurances provided in 2021 to England's Premier League to assuage concerns that the PIF's acquisition of Newcastle United Football Club would put it under the control of the Saudi state. The league's chief executive, Richard Masters, said at the time that the Premier League had been given legally binding assurances that essentially the state will not be in charge of the club and that if there was evidence to the contrary, we can remove the consortium as owners of the club. The league has so far refrained from taking the PIF to task in the wake of the US rulings because the Newcastle agreement 
stipulated that the Saudi state would not exercise control over Newcastle, not that it would not have the ability to do so. Lawyers for Newcastle said there would only be a case if the Saudi state used its power to intervene in the club's affairs. There's an unmistakable irony in the Sovereign Wealth Fund Declaration emerging in a dispute about another arm of Saudi Arabia's growing sports empire. But the simple fact is that Saudi sports washing is affecting numerous sports and governing bodies need to respond to it far more effectively, said Peter Frankenthal, an Amnesty International executive. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Diplomats, policymakers, investors, executives, journalists, and academics listen to my twice-weekly podcast and or read my syndicated newsletter that is republished by media across the globe. Maintaining free distribution ensures that the podcast and newsletter have maximum impact. Paid subscribers help me cover the monthly cost of producing the newsletter and podcast. Please consider becoming a paid subscriber. You can do so by clicking on Substack on the subscription button at www.jamesmdorsey.substack.com and choosing one of the subscription options. Or support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash soccer. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. Thank you. Take care and best wishes.